live from the fucking Pacific Northwest. It's Seattle, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. Hi, guys. I feel like it's truly been way too long, but I hope you're liking the guest episodes. I'm loving them. I'm having such a good time, and it just keeps getting better. Like, every time I'm like, this is the best episode ever, they just keep, like, upping the ante and surprising me, and I'm just having, like, the best fucking time. But we need to catch up. Of course, we have the incredible the wonderful Heather Gay on today's episode. She is a real housewife of Salt Lake City. She is a best-selling author of her new book, Bad Mormon, which is all about her leaving the Mormon religion and about her life and her trauma and her relationship and parenting. She's so intelligent and funny and witty, and I'm so glad that she agreed to come on and get interviewed by me, but her interview is 30 minutes long so i wanted to do a little catch up before we get into that uh, make sure you guys all read bad mormon and buy it like it's so good and funny she sent it to me and i'm like i'm obsessed i i read it so fast she's a fucking icon other than that so you guys know i always do non-fiction and fiction at the same time and i finished my body by emrata so i was like okay i'll read bad mormon by heather gay so i read that i was also reading um what is the book that i was reading guys i always forget what the fuck it's called things we never got over Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. Yeah. And it was really serendipitous because I finished reading it and the sequel came out the day I finished reading it. I will say something, though. I've heard that the sequel isn't as good as the first one. And, like, when does that truly happen? Like, let's think about it. Like, name one sequel that's better than the first, like, iteration of the thing. You can't. You can't. I'm waiting. Fucking DM me if you have one. Maybe, like, the Hunger Games. Like, they got better. But I really feel like things like that were less so like, oh, this is a sequel and more so like this story is too long to fit into one book. The story is too long to fit into two hours. I feel like there's a difference. There's either like the Hunger Games, like Twilight of it all, where it's like the story was too long to fit into one book or one movie. And then there's like the um, like television series slash like sequels to books where it's just going to be one and then the sequel where like the sequel wasn't like premeditated but like the book did so well that everybody was like sequel and then they wrote the sequel after so i haven't started it yet but it's on the queue if you guys have any other recommendations for smutty little romance novels please dm me because i'm always looking for more to read um and yeah i wanted to tell you guys a little bit about my la experience we just got to seattle LA was awesome. The vibes were fucking vibing. The first few times I went to LA, I was like, mm, not for me. Now I love it to visit for sure. And once the sun came out like two days ago, it was so fucking nice. Like we really just like did all the quintessential basic shit. Cause my mom has never seen LA, never seen the Pacific Ocean. So we had to do Malibu, the Pacific Coast Highway. We had to do all the things. She wanted to go drive up and see like celebrity real estate. So we went up to like Beverly Hills, Mulholland Drive, the whole thing. It was just like gorgeous like LA is stunning it was so sunny I was feeling so good my reason for being there was that my team wanted me to come to LA in like the first half of the year to just like do some pre-book press and also take some meetings about the book and about upcoming exciting shit and also I haven't met my publicist and PR team in person and my mom asked me to come to Seattle with her but because she has um, Meniere's disease and vestibular migraines she's just not great traveling on her own she can but she just doesn't I mean anybody who has a family member with chronic illness knows like it's just like not great like to just be by themselves a lot of them can't people that have like Meniere's specifically can't drive so it's just like you want to have someone there so she asked me to come and I was like let's make it a two-stopper that way I do my LA thing that I have to do and you can come and see LA so that was our reason for kind of being there but honestly we're having so much fun and like spending so much quality time together I've talked about my mom's chronic illness on the podcast in the past but 
basically like some days are just really fucking bad and she can't get out of bed and that sucks um so we had a great time though she only she had one bad day and that obviously i hate to see her like that but and she was really beat up about it but honestly like the rest of the time she was just like on fire and we had so much fun all the basic things and she got to meet my team which is really special like my manager amanda is like oh she's just my girl my whole team right now um is girls and gays um i had an all-female team but i hired a male graphic designer but he's just like he's so fucking good like have you guys seen the instagram like go look at the instagram like jonathan I know he listens. He's like my boy. He's actually crushing it. I just can't wait for the day he comes into New York and I can hold him in my arms and be like, I love you so much. Like, he's so talented and is just crushing it and is on top of his shit. Like, this is somebody that I've employed that I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, just simply fuck yeah. So I absolutely love him. Um, But yeah, my mom got to meet my team and that was so exciting. And it was just a great time. And then we just got to Seattle today. And the vibes are still vibing. It's actually not raining here. I didn't know what I was meant to expect. Um, I have a best friend from college who lives here, actually. So hoping to see him, hoping to just do all the things. Jess and I are taking solid core tomorrow morning. I've never taken it before. So that'll be fun. And then I am recording a podcast with Cheryl Strayed. And wow, I can't believe I just said that. Like the next time I sit down to record, it's going to be with her. I have chills all over my body right now. Um... I think this is just goes back to like write everything down and ask like I was really scared to ask and then I asked and she said yes and it's like what if she says yes I don't know it's just uh I have chills um I'm so nauseous I uh yeah I just truthfully don't know if I'd be sitting here today if it wasn't for her like in all honesty um uh, I'm gonna get emotional and I just did my makeup but like tiny beautiful things like that book is the reason I believe in myself among a lot of other things but it was like the impetus it was the push I needed Cheryl like changed my life and she continues to change my life every single day she has a quote in one of her essays um and it's your book has a birthday yet you just don't know what it is about writing and I think about that all the time and now like I do know what my book's birthday is um I can't tell you guys yet but it's a good one um yeah, I just can't believe that we're going to do this. I am going to have to keep my composure, which is why I'm not keeping my composure now. Because um, it's just, I, I just remember, like, every moment of my life, like, thinking about how I wanted to write a book and be an author through her words. So this is pretty fucking full circle and cool. And I just hope that I do us all justice because um, this is for all of us. Um and if you have any last minute questions that you think of and you listen to this early in the morning before I record with her, send them my way. I'm really, really, really excited. And I'm, yeah, I just can't believe it. So that's that. And other than that, things that happened before, like th this past week, um, I had dinner with Tim Chusano. If you don't know him, you got to know him. Everybody was like, no way. Like, what's he like? And honestly, like, He's really chill and mellow in person, which I think could be honestly like assumed because he's a chill, mellow guy. He's just the nicest. Like he's so fucking nice and friendly. And Kelly is like gorgeous and cool. And Evelyn is amazing. I just love that family. Like they really are the best. And they had me and my boyfriend over for fish tacos. And like, I don't know, that was just one of those moments where I was like, fuck, yeah, I love what I do. Like I get to meet really cool people and like. There's just so much positivity out there, and I feel like lately I've just been feeling like sunshine from the inside out, and it's 
National Eating Disorder Awareness Week this week, if you didn't know that. Um, and I just wanted to say, like, I'm here for you if you don't feel like sunshine from the inside out. It's okay if you don't feel like that. I'm thinking about you. I've been there, and it, it fucking blows. And honestly, when I was at my rock bottom, I kind of was excited to just start climbing uphill and fueling myself to do so. Um, and I'm really proud of you. Like, if you're accepting that you need help, if you're ready to get help, if you are supporting someone that has an eating disorder, if you are celebrating a milestone in your own journey, wherever you are, I'm proud of you. Like, I don't even care if you're like, I have not accepted that I need help. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I'm fucking proud of you. And I'm proud of all of us. So that too. Um, what else happened? Okay, so Lee and Michelle commented on my TikTok. I know it was crazy. This is the thing, like, her publicist, her team is crushing it with telling her to lean into the joke because, like, I – it's not that I was being mean in my podcast, like, at all, but it wasn't, like, the nicest I've ever been, like – or rather my TikTok. Like, I was just talking about, like, what her big announcement could be coming up and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't the nicest I've ever been in my entire life. It also wasn't mean. It just was meh. And she commented, obsessed with you, so I'll take that one to the grave. They've also announced Funny Girl is closing. Eli, what are your thoughts? Here are my thoughts. My thoughts are – this show has been too dramatic. It's th the drama surrounding the production has been so crazy that it needs to be done. Also, it's kind of like, who are they going to cast after her? I'm not saying anyone's going to be better. I'm saying there's nobody that's going to give equal hype. There are people that will play the role as good, if not better, than her. In many ways, I believe Beanie played the role better than her. Acting, 100% better. Um, I just think, like, in terms of, like, the fanfare and, like, the – like, they're not getting the press that they got about Leah Michelle and all that drama for anyone else. So I think they're just, like, we're done. Like, they know that – they know that no matter what, their tickets are going down with whoever they choose, unfortunately. And, and it's a business. So, like, whether or not you believe that that's right, it's a business, and they have to think about themselves in terms of, of being a business. So they're closing in September. I don't know what she'll do next. I'd love to see her play Eliza Doolittle. But I, part of me thinks she's, like – I'm done with Broadway for now. I don't know. Like, the drama was drama-ing. Like, you can't say it wasn't. It was giving drama. But um, that's that. Speaking of theater, I saw Bad Cinderella. It is bad. That's really all I have to say. Um, I wish everyone in that production a very happy journey on the show because they are giving everything that they need to give to make it as good as it can be. But there's not that much that you can do with just, like, a bad script. The book is really bad. It's like the score is meh, the plot is eh, everything is bleh, the performances are wonderful, and the book is horrible. And I think that people don't realize this. A lot of people think they look at a musical, this is an opinion, but I also think it's a fact. A lot of people look at a musical and they say, okay, here's a piece of theater, here's a musical. What makes a musical good is the music and lyrics and the score and the dancing. It's not true. If a musical has a bad book, it will tank. It will tank. It is like the book will make or break the musical. And I really just feel like this one breaks it. But in just quite the startling juxtaposition, Parade is the best thing I've seen on Broadway in five years. Um, I want to give a light trigger warning for anti-Semitism, for violence, um, and for noose imagery and um, guns. I don't know. Like for me personally, I had someone in my life. I lost someone in my life who took their own life, and I do not do well um, surrounding any imagery like that. And so I, I had a hard time at the end. I would have appreciated the trigger warning, but then I didn't know if I was being too sensitive or too, or too niche. But I don't think I am because I think there are a lot of people that, like, really could not watch um, any sort of depiction of 
that um lynching in general is triggering so i would have loved for them to put in a trigger warning and i hope they do um but otherwise it's like the best thing i've ever seen on broadway like i'm gonna go back i'm looking at tickets i'm like fucking i need to go it's so good um and that's really everything that's going on now we are planning the big bad beautiful amazing book tour and live show it's gonna be so fucking fun currently we're aiming to come to 13 cities um lucky number vibes um which is funny because i never realized that my lucky number like i always say new taylor swift's lucky number was 13 but i never realized like oh we share a lucky number like i didn't pick out my lucky number because it was her lucky number i actually picked it out because um of like my locker number in school when i was in like fourth grade so yeah i don't know but i love that we have the same lucky number but anyways um i also like it because it's technically an unlucky number and it's kind of fun but anyway, I picked out 13 cities. It might end up being 10, but that's what we're aiming for now. It's going to be big, bad, beautiful, fun, bodacious, all the things. Um, and you guys will know more when you know more. For now, you can know that the pre-order is coming in spring, summer. It's going to be here before we know it. And I've seen some covers. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't lie. Like, I'm scared. I'm frightened. I'm, I'm, in fact, terrified. My therapist said if she would me, she'd be horrified at the pressure, which is so lovely to hear um just kidding i love her she was just saying that like i'm handling it pretty well given the circumstances anyway i'm really fucking excited for this tour one other thing i um just lost my train oh i just listened to the call her daddy episode with renee rap and it's great and kind of in a similar vein to renee rap just like singer songwriter ladies of our generation lizzie mcalpine is so fucking talented why didn't nobody fucking tell me obviously i knew but it's over and you're driving me home i knew that but I didn't know, guys. Like, I didn't know the level. I downloaded all of her music for the flight, and I was just like, mm, 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 this is so good. I was journaling. I was just, like, in my moment. I was planning my Cheryl podcast. I was, like, emo, looking out the window, Pacific Coast Highway, mountains, ocean. I was like, fuck, this is really good. Like, she is really fucking good. That's really all, guys. Like, that's all she wrote. Like, she's, I mean, that's not all she wrote. She's going to keep going. But, like, how did we not know? How did we not know? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm kind of getting hungry. It's 4.09 p.m. Pacific time, and I'm just ready to go to the bar, get some drinks, get some food, get some snacks, live, laugh, love my way to the top. I think we're going high bowling, which I'm, like, so pumped about. Um, my favorite little weed pens are in L.A. They're called Dosis, and we got some of those when we were there. So I'm excited for that and for everything to come. But without further ado, I am so excited to introduce this week's guest again, she is a real housewife of Salt Lake City. She is a mother. She is a badass woman, a business owner, and author of her new book, Bad Mormon, which is a New York Times bestseller. And she's here to tell you all the things and spill all the tea. So without further ado, please welcome Heather. And as you guys know, always, if you need anything, I will be there for you. I will love you, kiss you, hug you, squeeze you, whatever you need. Please DM me. And I hope you're having a wonderful, amazing, sunny, beautiful beautiful friday or whenever you're listening to this i love you very much and i will see you next week bye guys hi guys and welcome back to another episode i am so excited for this week's guest i just finished her book and let me just tell you if you haven't got your hands on it you have to so everyone please welcome heather gay to the show welcome heather hi 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 everyone thanks for having hi. me I am so glad you agreed to do this because I put down that book and was like, I need to ask her all the questions like <laughs> you. My podcast is all about letting people be exactly who they are at like the brightest level. And I feel like the reason I love you is like you're a bit of everything like you're hilarious. 
you're a reality TV star, you're an author, you're a business owner, you're a mom, like you've done it all. Yeah. Like most women, we, we like find a way to like do everything, but like I'm getting on turbo in this second chapter of my life, like mostly because of the show, getting all these opportunities, you know, but yeah. yeah, it's, I, I mean, I feel like I'm finally living my truest self, but it took a long time to get here. I love that. So I ask every guest the same question at the beginning of an ep- the episode, because I think just an interesting icebreaker. And it's a question a lot of people don't get asked. So the question is, what would you say is your fatal flaw? And it is okay if your fatal flaw is something that you have decided that you're not going to fix. Like mine is something I'm not going to fix in my life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, oh, like so many. (laughs) I mean, honestly, this is, I think my fatal flaw is, um, overconfidence. Like, I just think I can do any, like, I just think I can do anything and I can't. And that is like, always is my detriment. Like I just overpromise and underdeliver a lot. I think. I feel like that also can be a strength though, because when you like err on the side of like, you're just so confident, people just take you automatically seriously. Well, I mean, it, but in that same note, like being a housewife, they kind of discount anything as well. You know what I mean? Because it's just that double-edged sword, but it's like, it's not, it's not, it's like, I think that you can have immense self-esteem and self-loathing simultaneously. Like you can live within that Venn diagram of, you know, like I will cringe at a million things I say or do, but I'm pretty brazen and like confident at the time that it's going to be funny, that it'll work, that it'll play out, that I can get it done. And I think like when you hit up against things that you can't do, you know, you have to realize like, I just want to be able to do everything. Like I want to demo my fireplace. And I, every time I think, and I buy the sledgehammer and the goggles, I think this is going to be so fun. I've seen people do it a thousand times on TV. And then everyone else is just like hire a contractor, but there's a part of me. So it's not the fact that I think I can do it. The fatal flaw is that I want to do it. Like yeah. I want to do it myself you and there's do no, everything. yeah, I want to do it all. I want to like taste and do everything. I was looking at something the other day and I thought, I want to learn like how to paint satin fabric. Like how do they make it look so photorealistic? And I'm like, I bet there's a class I can take in a YouTube yeah. channel. Like I just, this desire to like do it all, um, I think it's a fatal flaw, but I like to say my toxic trait is loving too much. Just... Yeah, I think that's mine too. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious, do you think that that desire to like do everything comes from a background that was like restrictive? Because you talk a lot about the restrictions that governed your former life. And like, do you think it's now you just want to like try everything, do everything and like live so boldly because you weren't doing that like growing up? Yeah, I think that there's a freedom that I'm experiencing now in my life because I don't have like... this is going to sound so sad, but like, I don't have a husband over my shoulder, like criticizing or undermining, or I don't have like a, you know, the community that's like, why are you wasting your time doing that? Like, I'm just living totally independently. And like, I can make a choice today. And like, if I fail at it, no one has to know if I, you know, if I don't want to, I just feel like free to try things without uh, being criticized because I I live alone with my daughters and they're like my biggest fans, you know, it's a weird freedom I think that I've never realized because I've been separated from Billy for you know ten years, but it wasn't until I had financial independence, I I still lived in the house I was married to him in. So like if I 
painted a room black and he came over. It was like, I was like scared, you know, just the, just yeah. the whole big brother. And yeah. so I just feel like right now I've exposed every darkest secret I've had on national television. It's out there forever. I've yeah. embarrassed myself in ways I never thought possible. So it kind of feels like what I thought was rock bottom before is was not. And now it's like, now I can do anything and there's no, there's no way the floor can fall out from under me because started from the bottom. Now we hear, you know, yes. <laughs> just- I love it. I love it. Was there a moment in your like journey of growing away from your faith that you kind of like had that realization where like, I'm just going to lay it all out on the table? No. I mean, I think I was forced to face my demons, like with, like you had to rip it from me. Like I, I still like just live under a cloud of shame. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think there's, there was not, I didn't realize there was like freedom in it as much as there's just, you know, nothing left to lose. Yeah. But I feel like I, I just feel like I always wanted to try everything when I was little, but yeah, you just, I was, it was more what I couldn't be, not really what I could be. Come, yeah. You know? I love that. And you mentioned shame and I was curious, like, I think guilt is a big thing and you touch on guilt um, in your writing, but like, how are you, how are you managing that and, and feeling guilty about anything? Like, I feel like on a day-to-day basis, like when I'm making choices for myself that feel like selfishly motivated because they're choices for me, I start struggling with like that strange guilt. Yeah. It's like that, just that for me, it's like a cringe factor. Like there's guilt and shame. And I just think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Like, here's an example. I got to go to the all-star basketball game. It was here in Salt Lake City. And an actor that I revere and like revere was sitting right by me, walked by. And so I spontaneously started talking to him and tried to be funny, tried to be witty, tried to be a cool fan, tried not to, you know, I just did it all. And like, after he left, I was like, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I'm so embarrassed. Like I just, I cycle into that spiral of shame pretty easily, you know, but I think everyone does, but the guilt that I felt for not, not living up to my parents' expectations, that's, that went away a lot when my dad passed. And then Mm -hmm. when I wrote this book, it kind of put such a division with me and my family that I, I feel freed by that too. Like I don't have to, measure up to anyone's expectations of me. And so that guilt's gone, but I still feel guilt for being who I am every yeah. day. No, that makes so much sense. You mentioned that like writing the book freed you. In terms of the writing experience, do you have like a part of it that was the most gratifying that like felt the best for you? I mean, if I were to keep it real, what's felt the best is that people are reading the book and loving it. Yeah, I mean, I read every review like it is a Bible scripture that changed my life. Like every single review that comes in just like makes me feel seen. It feels therapeutic. It feels like it's all worth it. And the fact that the book's being well-received, that's been the highlight of of it all. But overall, for sure, it was so cathartic. It triggered a lot of old wounds. It ripped open a lot of things that I needed to just face and get put pen to paper and get it all out there. So I'd recommend to anyone that's like dealing with, a lot of trauma to write yeah. a book because you really get to lay it on the line and give yourself some grace and uh, look at it with a different perspective and put a little space between who you are and what you've experienced. 
Absolutely. And was there fear there? Like the day that you like sent it off and couldn't make any more changes and like you knew that the world was going to have their hands on like your whole life story. What, were you scared? Oh, horrible fear. And it may play out on Ultimate Girls Trip because that was like some of my <laughs> final deadlines when I was in yeah. Thailand on a different timeline. Like I just horrible fear because there was so much more I wanted to say, but I, I understood also that the book had had to be a certain size, had to cont- be a certain arc, you know, and that I could maybe contain all those other stories for a second or third book. And that's the only way that I was able to just like finalize it and send it out there and just be like, I can make up for whatever's bad later yeah. <laughs> and I can add to whatever I had to leave out now. But I loved writing it so much. I loved the process of it. I loved remembering things and purging it. And it just felt like a huge, huge cathartic weight off of my heart and mind. And it gave me a chance to really reminisce. Like once I got divorced, I did not like to reminisce. I did not like to think about my life because it felt like it was looking back on how it had been perfect. And then it had just all imploded. Yeah. It's kind of like, right. If you write out your whole life story, like you put it somewhere beside yourself where it's like not inside of you anymore, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of space. Yeah. And objectivity. Have you managed or how have you managed like any negative feedback, specifically coming from like inside of the community or people that disagree with your decisions? Like, what does your process look like for when you're handling that? Because I've seen so much praise, but I'm sure like there's also people that are kind of being a sounding board on the other end too. Yeah, there's for sure a ton of negativity. It affects me mostly just from my immediates, but the. it's still hard for me to be critical of the community, but the truth is they don't acknowledge it and they don't talk about it. And the nice thing is Mormons are very, very nice. So they just don't speak of it to my face, but that's a different type of offense. You know, like I'm sure there's a thousand naysayers out there. I haven't like, uh, I try not to dig too deep on the negative right now when it's so tender, but I mean, I haven't heard from anyone in my immediate family, except for my older brother about like, liking the book or being proud of the book or supporting the book or any part of my life. So that, that negativity feels the most abrasive because it's just the absence of any acknowledgement. But I, I would be naive if I said I wrote a book called bad Mormon with my face on it in, you know, I'm living in the hornet's nest. Like I know it's going to offend people. I know the things I said betray a lot of the oaths that I made, you know, when I was an active Mormon, but I just, the fear didn't keep me from wanting like the opportunity to tell my story. You know, yeah. I'm still scared today. I'm still afraid yeah. every day. <laughs> no, I feel the it. The shoe will drop. That. Yeah, of course. But like, you really do such a good job of just like speaking your truth and saying what you mean and with your whole chest. Like, have you always been that way? Like, you're like that on television. You're like that online. You're like that in this book. Like, how did you grow so comfortable with just being like? this is who the hell I am. This is what I have to say. Here it is. Like that takes guts and you do it like flawlessly. Well, I think that I've always been that way. It's just, nobody's really ever asked me or been interested, you know, and then you get thrown onto this platform and this opportunity with housewives. It's so far reaching that suddenly, you know, the girl, you can't shut up. You're giving her a microphone, Yeah. you know? And I, I just love it. You know, the showgirl in me is just like, what more do you want to know about me? You know, ask me anything. Like I've just always lived like adjacent to that, like hot girl adjacent to all this life going on. And now I feel like it's my chance to really seize this moment. And it's, it's, 
it's been everything. It's been transformative, you know? Yeah, I love that. Did you read your book back when you got it? Like, have you read it cover to cover since it's been oh, I've read it so many times. Like, you could tell me a page number and I could recite yeah. the phrase to you. But it was a really spiritual experience for me sitting in the recording studio doing the audiobook because we just read through it so flawlessly. And yeah. so, uh, you know, when you read it out loud and you hear it back in your ears and it's this kind of womb like atmosphere, I don't know. I just felt like that was a, I was bathed in like the fruits of my labors, <laughs> you know, so yeah, really, no. that, that really was an experience for me. And people love audiobooks these days. So I'm sure people are like loving that it's read in your own voice. Cause like, you know, your story the best. Yeah. I mean, I could have probably shut the book and told it verbatim. So it, it yeah. was really, it was a quick, it was a quick recording session for sure. I love that. And you mentioned your family and their reception. I'm curious, like, what have your daughters thought of all this, if anything? Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with a mom that's, like, such a badass. Like, <laughs> I would literally be like, holy crap. Like, my mom is a badass. All moms are badasses. But, like, this is a whole nother level. Like, laying everything out on the table and being like, this is who I am, girl. Like, are they, like, so proud? Are they in shock? Like, what have those conversations been like? I think it's been breadcrumbing for them. Like they haven't realized the magnitude of it. It's it's really come in full focus right now with the New York Times article, with making the bestseller list, with all of the publicity for the book. And they have been with me through the whole process. So I would read them sections. They lived it. They know it. But they also saw me when I was pretty detached, pretty zombie-like, just like name rank serial number mom that said if I see a picture of you with your tongue out on Instagram you lose your phone for a week if I yeah. see a picture of you doing like party like I just judged all yeah. these weird things that I thought was unacceptable and that changed you know not overnight but like it changed pretty dramatically and our relationship now is so different and we just they feel so much freer I feel so much more like the mom I was always wanted to be and so this process has been like kind of empowering for all of us, you know, this little yeah. group of four musketeers. We're finally like free from a lot of things that were holding us back. I love that. That's so interesting and like wonderful that you share that freely. Like from a parenting perspective, what was the shift like? I feel like that's such a crazy thing to be like, we're going to be changing things up around here and we have to do it as a team. It was um, really in season one of Housewives, when I like came out to them and kind of told them that I was pretty much living a double life and I wasn't, didn't want to be affiliated with this church that had all this problematic doctrine. That was the first time that they could talk about it. They had seen subtle changes, but a really poignant thing was I was having an issue with one of my daughters. It's a snow day, so they're home today. But, um, <laughs> and I saw myself kind of patterning the type of parenting I had been raised with that all of my friends were doing with their kids and like all of the external fears, like what is it going to look like on social media? What are their friends going to think? What are their teachers going to think? And in this split second moment, I thought about like when I had written about myself at that same exact age and it just filled me with like all of this empathy. And so I read her that section and I was just like, you do you, you be you, you be as goth as you want to be, you be as emo as you want to be, like you are pure and perfect. And it just gave me a little just like perspective, you know, they can read about me now when I was a teenager and when I was in college and they can feel uh, an understanding of who their mom was before she became a mom. Yeah. I think sometimes we tend to forget that like our parents were people before they were parents. 
and like when you grow older and like you kind of like come into yourself you're like whoa like you led a full life before I was even like a concept totally and And I think when they read the book they're like she loved us like she loved us so much she blew up her whole life and that's you know that's great leverage when you have teenage daughters (laughs) (laughs) three teenage daughters that's crazy how do you do it um I love them they can't take care of me they're like they absolutely caretake me. They're the best. They've just, I lucked out and it's luck of the draw. And I just feel so lucky, honestly. I love that. Back to the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like when you found out? And like, where were you? What were you like, holy shit? Were you expecting it? I was not, I had been told that barely, no one ever gets on it. And then everyone else is just a writer. Like, I just thought it was a very slim shot that there was, no chance I was going to make it because I was up against Prince Harry, Pamela Anderson, Michelle Obama, Jeanette McCurdy, my, um, Matthew Perry. Like it wasn't like a slow week in publishing, you know, yeah. when I had to release the book. And so I just kind of tried not to like hope too much, but I was here with um, my business partner, Dre, and my kids were coming home from school and um, Lauren, my publicist and my agent, Steve called me and just said, we're waiting, you know, we were just on the phone waiting for that list to come through. And then they gave me the news and it was like, I mean, it was the best moment of my life so far because it felt like credibility for something that was authentically and absolutely mine and me and something that I'd been really scared to do for a long time. So it felt like a sweet reward. And it's like for the first time you're getting like a standing ovation for just being yourself and not being like pigeonholed into some concept of what other people want you to be. Right. If you're like beat for all of the flaws, like you're getting honored and seen and recognized for just being authentic. And that is like the most validating feeling you can have. Yeah. I love that. Can you speak to your writing process a little bit? I know a lot of my listeners are writers or like love books and reading. And I'm just curious, like, did you have a process? Like you have so much other stuff going on at the same time. So it wasn't like you could just shut yourself away. Well, like the process would be, I'd be writing a section and think of a specific memory. And like, once I was in that memory, like what, why did we have that Winnebago? These are stories that didn't make it, but they'll be in my next book. And like, I was at the pool with my kids and like, I just started like typing notes on my phone. And then like, you think, Oh, wait a second, it's coming to me how to tell this, how to arc it, how it's going to tie back. And then I would go home, get on my laptop and just like curiously write. And I just think you have, I just did bolts of inspiration for like good stories. And then I would get with my writing assistant and we would just like fit it in, map it out. And I just really tried to remember who I was in that moment and how I felt without any context of how it's changed me, you know? Oh, I love that. You just were trying to capture a memory Mm -hmm. less so than like you now projecting onto like your younger self. Yeah. I tried, I didn't, I wanted to make myself smarter and wiser and deeper and more offended, you know, or, but I wasn't like when I was 10, that's how I saw the world. When I was a women getting married, like that's what I really believed. And as dark as it was, or as, you know, crazy as it might've sounded, I just tried to be as authentic to who I was in that moment. And it was pretty easy to remember because I'd kept really good journals. I had been, you know, considered myself like a lover of, I was a reader and I considered myself a writer, like just in my own little journal heart, you know, I never thought I'd get a book. I never thought I'd be a bestseller, but you know, we all, our dramatic journal writers who dare yeah. you, you'll never believe. 
<laughs> so true. Do you think that like having housewives and also like filming helped the process because it like took you out of it a little bit so you weren't just like all memory but you were also like living a day-to-day life that was like very vibrant yeah it gave it an arc you know like I was I was I'd come to a position where I could now you know have a happy ending and so when you're when you're in a great place and you're feeling the happiest and most authentic you've ever been you can give yourself a lot of grace for um how you got there I love that that's that's really beautiful so I kind of want to talk a little bit about your faith now. And I'm curious, like, how faithful do you feel? And is there any places or things in which, like, you would see, like, a God or a heaven or a higher power? Or are you really just like, that part of my life is over? No, I feel like I'm a deeply spiritual person. I think I'm a deeply prayerful person. Mm -hmm. And I find now that, like, what I take the most joy in is in other people and like relating to their humanity, hearing their stories as, as tragic as it sounds. I love trauma bonding. I feel like I can just see someone that's like been divorced or gone through what I've gone through or has a teenage daughter. Like you can just find these commonalities and just kind of have a soul connection. And that fills me, but also nature. I love nature. Like I love skiing. I love being in the mountains. I love swimming. I love being outside. I'm not like a hiker or an outdoorsman, but I just, I find God in the beauty of the earth. And that makes me feel part of a part of the universe. You know, I love that. I feel like it takes a good deal of like self love to walk away from something that like governed your life and also to be able to come full circle and reflect on it. How did you like find that self-love like where did you find it how did you develop that that like sense of like love for yourself and respect for yourself well I don't think I fully have it I think it's like a drop of water every day you know it's kind of filling up the bucket but um I think just recognizing the resilience of spirit to like even survive and be here and to get to this moment makes you feel like you're becoming the person you were born to be. And that makes me feel like connected to God, you know, like, cause for so long it was about behaving a certain way so that God would bless me. And now I realize that like in our diversity, in our individuality, in our craziness, in our darkness, that's like the individuality that really speaks most to God and to our relationship with him, you know? Yeah. I love that. And like, what are some types of things that you do in your day-to-day life to live that truth? Like, are you spending a lot of time outside? Do you spend time with your girls? Like, what are your ways of like taking care of yourself? Uh, binge watching my favorite shows and eating my favorite snacks. It's like, yes, I love it. Wait, what are your favorite shows? I have so many, but like, it just, I like to binge. So yeah. like, I'll be in like Felicity right now. I'm rewatching Felicity. <laughs> it's like, I feel like the fashions come full circle. Like I'm, I'm being inspired for my outfits by watching that. Um, I love, I'm trying to think of all the shows I watch. There's just like, I don't, the one that I'm watching right now is a little problematic. It's house of cards. (laughs) A lot of people rejected that completely when Kevin Spacey, but the truth is like, I'm a huge fan of Robin Wright. And I, I just, I've been watching house of cards. Like, binge watching that West Wing I watch. I like a lot of political dramas. Yeah. I like um, Mozart in the Jungle. 
I don't know if you watch these you shows. Like it okay, all. I am aging myself by yeah. saying my favorite show. No, you I'm like trying it to all. think of like hip cool shows I watch, yeah. but I really watch You're like all the basics. Ozark, you know, Mozart of the Jungle, like Big Mouth. Yeah. They're anything. just comforting. It's just comforting. Yeah. Do you ever watch yourself on TV? I used to. I watched myself religiously season one and two. I thought it was so fun, so funny, best television ever. Season three, I dropped off about episode five just yeah, for like, mental health reasons. But yeah. I didn't watch a lot of season three, but just because it was dark and it wasn't escapism. It didn't feel like the escapism that I want my TV to be. You know, when I watch like yeah. 90 Day Fiance, I want to just forget my own life and live in theirs. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm gonna. I watch other housewives. I watch all of the housewives, all the Bravo shows. Yeah, um, the people want to know if you have a favorite like Bravo show or like a favorite housewife that's not one of yours. Oh well, my favorite Bravo show is Family Karma. I just really relate to this like high demand uh, culture and family expectations and kind of all of the, all of the cast on Family Karma. They're kind of breaking generational molds and patterns and so I really relate to that my favorite housewife to watch current I always say living or dead like the current favorite housewives to watch right now I love watching the girls on Potomac and Miami I think Miami is just like giving life Alexi is actually here in Deer Valley right now in Utah but it's a we got snowed in today so we couldn't get together but like I love watching Miami I think they're so rich they are so fancy they're so beautiful it's just full escapism for me. And then yeah. um, Potomac and Atlanta, just how they just keep it real and keep it spicy. I love that. Yeah. I like the early seasons of Jersey. As a Jersey oh, girl yeah. myself, I got to go back there for the drama. They don't make drama sure. like that anymore. It was so good back in it's the true. early. Like, it was pure, pure housewife gold. Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. Um, well, since we're winding down, I have two more questions for you. Um, okay. The first one is, for people that are going through their own journey of like self-actualization and like carving out a space for themselves and like being willing to admit that their past isn't who they are today, what would your advice be for those people who are like in the middle of the journey, a journey similar to what you went through? I would say like, like you're, you feel like you're swinging between two vines. You know, you're, you've got this one vine that's been your life connection for everything and it takes a little bit of courage just to like grab the new vine and let go. And the longer you stay holding onto both of them, the harder it is. And so I would, if I could look back on myself, I would say, just be okay with it. The sooner you're okay with it, the sooner everyone else will adjust. Like you're not going to please anyone. You're not going to make it the transition easier. Just let go and swing off and build your new life and don't look back. And look at where it got you. Like you're now just crushing it. She's everything. (laughs) I love it. So what is next for you? Like, are we in for another book? Are we going to get more more Heather? There's definitely another book. Good Time Girl Essays is coming out. I'm working on it right now. It's going to be all the great stories that just didn't make the first book because, you know, my editor kept saying, it's not war and peace. You know, nobody needs 15 stories about your mission and about your childhood, about your marriage. But I want to do a deep dive into my marriage and divorce. It was I think it, there's a lot that I learned and that I feel like I could write about in both funny and, um, you know, touching ways. But then yeah. I just have funny essays that I want to, like, write. And then I would love to, like, opt Bad Mormon into a 
screenplay or something. Yeah, I don't know. No, like I just want to do it all. Remember yeah. my fatal flaw? I'll, I'll do yeah. it all. Like I, I'm going to star, act, EGOT it all. Yeah. Oh, you got it, EGOT. She's going to EGOT. <laughs> you guys heard it here first. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing with us. Like you're really incredible. I hope everyone buys the book and I can't wait to read the next one. Can't come soon Thank enough. You so much. I appreciate all of your support. The tick, you're the queen of the TikTok world, and you know, <laughs> book talk makes or breaks authors. So thanks. So, I know so much. it really does. It, it really does, does. You know. So thank you for being a, a champion of Bad Mormon. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah, Bye guys. Thank you. See you, Eli. Bye.